This is the Vet Mindworks podcast, a podcast for everyone in the veterinary profession who is interested in how our minds work and how to work with our minds. Our mission is to share ideas, methods and skills, enabling us to find better ways of working and living. The content of this podcast is entirely based on our personal experiences and opinions and does not represent the opinions of our employers or companies we work for. Podcast episodes may contain descriptions of difficult life situations and references to mental health challenges. We strive to ensure that all our published content is correct. However, we cannot accept responsibility for any issues that may arise from the practical application of the contents of this podcast. Hello. Thank you for tuning in to the Vet Mindworks podcast. I'm Petra Actor and the host for this episode. This is the second episode of this podcast, which a couple of friends and I started in order to inspire a discussion around helpful mindsets, mental and behavioural skills in the veterinary profession. If you missed the previous episode and our prologue recording, then please go and check these out. Before we dive into today's topic, I would just like to mention a few other things. First of all, we would like to thank you for all the positive feedback, comments and suggestions that were received through various channels. Please also let any friends and colleagues know so that more people can join the discussion. We are delighted to let you know that we are now also available on Apple Podcasts. And if you would like to do us a favour, then please subscribe to the podcast and rate us on your preferred platform. Finally, a couple of notes on the content. As mentioned, this podcast is about helpful mindsets and skills that enable us to work and live better, increase our well-being and develop ourselves personally and professionally. However, as we all know, we are a profession of high achievers and this can sometimes trip us up. It can make us try to forcefully strive towards some unachievable perfect version of ourselves in an attempt to fix ourselves or get rid of all the perceived flaws and weaknesses that we feel that we might have. I have certainly gone into this rabbit hole more than once in my life. So just to make it very clear, we are all a package deal and wonderfully complex beings. The things we call our flaws are often very simply the other side of a coin which also carries our strengths. And furthermore, many, if not all of the skills that we're going to mention in different episodes on this podcast are inherent in all of us. So in a way, we are already where we want to be and it is more about learning to apply these skills flexibly, developing them in different contexts and using them to help and support ourselves rather than fixing anything. As the psychologist Carl Rogers put it, the curious paradox is that when I accept myself just as I am, then I can change. So we would like to encourage you to listen and to apply anything that you hear with a degree of playfulness, curiosity and self-acceptance. As today's guest will mention, we are all on a learning curve somewhere and actually will never get perfect at any of this. The aim is not perfection, it is continued practice, learning and exploration. The other thing to say is that while the way we interact with ourselves, with others and the world has a big impact on our well-being and performance, there are, of course, limits to what we can do as an individual. 
Our work environment and work culture also have a major influence on our well-being and the ability to work to the best of our potential. And therefore, our individual responsibility can only go so far. So that all said, I would like to start talking about today's show now. We have started this podcast with a mini-series around the topic of personal resources. And today we're going to talk about the important resource of energy. For this, I'm delighted to introduce today's guest, Dr. Marie Holowaychuk, who has got a lot of interesting things to say on this subject. Marie is a board-certified small animal emergency and critical care specialist and an eminent and passionate advocate for veterinary team well-being. She lives in Calgary, where she works occasionally in private referral practice and as a teleconsultant for VetCT. She has also previously been an associate professor at the Ontario Veterinary College. Outside of clinical work, Marie facilitates wellness workshops and retreats for veterinary clinics and organisations and offers individual coaching and group wellbeing sessions for veterinary team members. Marie is a certified yoga and meditation teacher, a trained coach and has attended additional training courses relating to compassion fatigue, mental health first aid training and applied suicide prevention. She is a prolific writer, producing a regular blog, a newsletter, as well as articles related to personal and professional well-being. Additionally, Marie has recorded a multitude of podcast interviews, as well as recently launching her own podcast and a YouTube channel. She has been serving as a volunteer on a number of committees relating to wellness, as well as diversity, equity and inclusion in different veterinary organisations. When she's not working, Marie enjoys listening to podcasts, reading, hiking and strength training, as well as spending time with her family and friends. So, hello, Mary. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful to be here. When we were setting out the podcast plan, we thought it would be quite nice to talk about three resources that we have as individuals, which are important to regulate and really which are important to balance right so that we can work well and we can also enjoy what we're doing. So I was wondering whether you could tell us a little bit more about your understanding of energy in that context and really what your approach is to maintaining a good and healthy energy balance. Yeah, it's such a great question um, and definitely something I've had to give thought to over the years. It's certainly changed for me over the years as well. But um, to me, energy balance is all about living a life filled with work, people and activities that bring me joy and allow me to maintain my health and well-being. So it's a complex process that is always changing and ever flowing and growing, but it's really about, you know, taking a look at what activities, situations and responsibilities in my life add energy or take it away. So what is energizing versus depleting and then making some decisions around how to manage those activities, uh, situations and responsibilities in the future based on how they're resonating with me. And there might be some times in my life where certain activities and people and situations really do energize me and bring me joy. And then other times in my life where they don't. And so, as I said, it's constantly evolving and it takes a lot of reflection and awareness and ultimately involves things like saying no or setting boundaries, delegating, scheduling, we can talk about all those things, but it's, it's a lot, but it's so important. 
So there is a whole bunch of things that you mentioned. And if you don't mind, I would like to just spend a little bit of time of unpicking that and see what exactly is behind that next level that you mentioned. I found it quite interesting that you were saying that things change over time and that it's important to create an awareness around, okay, what gives me energy, what re-energizes me and what depletes me. So seeing it as a dynamic process, is that right? Yeah, I think so. Because, you know, we go through life and life is different seasons that come and go, right? And so I think of myself right now, I'm in a season of life where I have been practicing for a long time. I have a pretty well-established business. You know, I'm not in the just growing stages of things, but I have a young child who's two years old. And so I just learned that my interests have changed over time and what brings me joy and what I find energizing has changed. I think about 10 years ago where I was working so hard, my job and doing a lot of research and spending a lot of time writing. And that was bringing me a lot of joy and it still does. But you talked about balance early on. And what I find is if I don't have enough time for what now are some of the things that bring me joy in my life or energize me, like spending time with my daughter or doing other activities that it needs to be addressed. And so I do think it changes and I do think we need to be mindful of that. And we change over time too. I really personally believe that we are ever evolving and things that used to be okay with us maybe aren't okay with us later in life or people that we used to really resonate with maybe used to energize us and now we hang out with them and we feel like we don't really connect and they don't energize us. Maybe they deplete us because of something that's going on in their life. And again, we only have so much time in our days. We're all very busy people. So when we recognize those situations, even though it might not have always been that way, I think we need to intervene. Mm. So allowing change, seeing the change, obviously, what energizes us, what depletes us, allowing it to happen, seeing it as a normal process in life, seeing change as a normal process in life, and then also allowing yourself to respond to that and then put things in place to work with that new reality in a skillful way so that then you get the balance right for your particular situation as it is at that specific time point. You also mentioned the thing around awareness and boundaries and scheduling and I think that is very interesting because it demonstrates how things are interlinked. We talk about energy as energy, we talk about time management as time management and awareness or attention as another thing. But actually, it seems to be all interlinked and it's a dynamic process, as you were saying. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if we are faced with activities or people or or situations that are not energizing for us, we're probably not going to spend a lot of time there. So we're going to manage our time around those people or situations. We might even completely remove ourselves from those responsibilities or situations by delegating or by setting a boundary, by stepping away, by asking for something different. So all of that really with the intention of preserving our energy, right? So the energy, the time management, the scheduling, the boundaries, it all really does go together. For me, the concept is all really in the name of feeling 
balanced, feeling well in our life. And I try and stay away from the word balance sometimes because I feel like it gives this misconception of things have to be equal, like balanced on a scale. And I don't necessarily think that that's true. I think at different times of our day or different days of the week or different weeks in the month, we're going to be focusing on different things. It's not always going to be kind of an exact balance. So, you know, giving ourselves grace in this process, which we're all in and none of us have this fully figured out, myself included. I'm constantly revisiting some of the things that I've committed to in my life when they start to feel not right to me. When I notice when I walk away from doing something that I feel exhausted or depleted or frustrated or even resentful. For me, that's really a sign that this is not working for me anymore. And I probably have to communicate a change. Mm. It's interesting how language can also matter and how you can take it in different ways there. Yeah. But I can absolutely see that you cannot always get things completely right. You cannot always get a fully balanced day as a balanced diet. Well, and I think too, for the individual, I think we have this perception that like work has to equal life, like somehow the two, that that is the balance that we're seeking. And then I think individuals like me who are in a season of life where family is maybe needing more attention or taking more precedence for whatever reason, there's this guilt that we feel when suddenly we are more focused on family or work tends to kind of fall by the wayside. But that doesn't mean I've become unbalanced. You know, like that for me is is a choice. It's what's working for me in that moment. And I think, like I said, I, I can even think back to 15 years ago when I was just out of my residency program and a new faculty member and working so hard and so passionate about my work and so excited about my research and my new lectures and everything else. And that felt great to me. I wasn't doing much outside of work other than working out and maybe seeing friends occasionally and whatever. But there were moments in that where I felt very well but work was definitely outweighing home. So that's just what I talk about when I say that balance, I think can really, you know, I think it can really perpetuate that shame around, oh, I really need to sort out my life. That's when people start to use the should word and they say, oh, I should be contributing more at work or, oh, I should be spending more time with family. Well, that judgment, what is that even in reference to? This idea of quote unquote balance, I don't know that that, either exists or is the same for everyone. Yeah, I get you. So it goes back to finding what is right for you individually in that moment. What is important for you? Who is important to you? And then make the decision from there. That is great. We do have a separate episode on time management, but I'm just interested around the boundary thing. Have you got any hot tips in relation to boundary setting? I mean, in the context of energy, I think it's all about boundaries. I think when we are in situations where we feel depleted by a particular relationship or a situation at work or the way that we've been treated or any situation that has unfolded, I can think of so many examples in my personal and professional life, you know, really we know when a boundary needs to be set when we feel that exhaustion that depletion that frustration that resentment that we're being taken advantage of that's not good energy that's a depletion of energy that's a sucking of energy out of us 
And that to me is a sign that a boundary needs to be set. Really a boundary is indicating to another person or a situation, what is okay with me and what is not okay with me. So it might be that we need more space in a relationship. It might mean that we need to be treated differently. It might mean that we expect a person to behave a certain way. It could be as simple as, you know, if you're gonna stop by the house, could you give me a heads up? Because I might be in the middle of something. In the context of work, it could be, uh, you know, I need to draw the line at 15 appointments per day or how many surgeries per day, or I'm not going to do space over this big of a size because I just don't feel comfortable with it. And that's where I just feel like uh, I'm using up all my energy to do the surgery and I'm not able to do work for the rest of the day. That's all managing our energy. And so I really, really urge people when they feel that energy drain to really ask themselves, is there a boundary here that needs to be set? So using the awareness of energy depletion, so becoming aware of, oh, this is a moment where actually I'm feeling drained, I'm feeling exhausted, using that as a sentinel or warning sign to say, ah, there's probably some compromise of one of my boundaries and then being clear about setting that, whatever that might look like or whatever that might be or saying whatever needs to be said in that situation. Really, really helpful tips there. Just moving on slightly, I was just wondering whether you had any personal challenges at work or in your life that you have overcome by better management of your energy levels? Uh, Yes. The short answer is yes. So many times in my life, and I notice this more and more as I get older and wiser, I see right away when I'm showing up to a situation, not as my best self. And that could be that I'm feeling sick or, you know, something could be off for sure. But I would say nine times out of 10, it's because I'm not managing my energy well. I'm coming into a situation like a shift or a meeting or an interview or recording of some kind, a presentation, and I haven't managed my energy so that I can show up there the way I want to show up. And for me, again, that's a sign that something is not right in my life where maybe I needed to go to bed earlier the day before. Maybe I needed to say no to something that I committed to earlier that day. There's so many different ways that we can get that energy imbalance. But yes, 100%. I have had so many moments where I showed up and I just I didn't show up the way I wanted to or I said something that I wouldn't have otherwise said. It was unfiltered because I just wasn't fully present. There's just so many things that can come up there. But yes, that's what I think of when you ask me that question. (laughs) Well, what I'm hearing and seeing is that you got the energy management right coming into this interview. I try. I try. (laughs) I'm still learning. I have moments where I do and I still, like I said, I haven't figured it all out. I still have moments where I slip and I think that's okay. And I forgive myself that, especially as circumstances in our life change. We might start a new job. We might take on a new pet. We might have a new child, a new relationship. Anytime things sort of get jumbled up in that situation, even with the pandemic, we have to adjust and we find that our needs change and we pivot and we course correct and we keep going. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the importance of giving yourself the allowance almost of not getting it always right as well. Yeah, that self-compassion piece is just so important. Yes, certainly I find that as well. It takes the edge off. Just briefly, going back, you mentioned that you have become a little bit more sensitive with age to this, that you are picking these warning signals up a little bit more easily. I just wondered whether you've got an explanation for that. I think so. I think that my emotional intelligence has increased for sure as I've gotten older. I think that is normal for most adults. I think we all think back to our early 20s and it's like, oh my goodness, we use the phrase often, what was I thinking? Well, we're thinking with a very different brain, a brain that's not fully developed. We don't have all the life experiences and the knowledge and expertise that we have now. I think as we get more experienced in life and especially as veterinary professionals the more we work with our teams and with our clients we really get to pick up on the subtleties of the human experience and we notice other people's behaviors and how they impact our feelings and our emotions and so i think a lot of this is just yeah it's experience it's emotional awareness emotional intelligence and i think a lot of it for me has been a mindfulness practice so It was about 10 years ago now that I started getting into mindfulness and I took an eight-week mindfulness-based stress reduction program specifically tailored to professionals. So I was the only veterinarian, but there was doctors and lawyers and nurses and psychiatrists and we all had a mindfulness practice that we did every day and then once a week we would come together and we would talk about it and practice together. And that's when I really started to see the benefits of mindfulness on my mental health, on my emotion regulation, on my present mindedness. I mean, mindfulness, this idea of being present, I think when we are really present for our internal experiences, you know, how we feel in our body, our thoughts and feelings that come up in the context of our outer experiences, This is where we gain this awareness. This is why I can come into a situation fully present and recognize I I don't feel like myself today. I'm having these thoughts in my mind or these feelings are coming up for me. I mean, again, 20 years ago, I would be like not, you know, just in a state of going on about my day with no awareness at all. That's completely changed for me with the practice of mindfulness. So I think for me, that's one of the best tools that we can use for energy management because that is what gives us the awareness. Yeah, I have to say, I would stand 100% behind that. What you just said, it's my experience totally as well. It's the willingness to show up and the willingness to see and then working with what is internally and externally in the most skillful way possible. And then with that drop of self-compassion. Right, that sort of leads us to the question of best tips and tricks around the topic. We did already have a sneak preview around the boundaries. And you just mentioned mindfulness as being a helpful tool or a helpful skill to aid us being able to regulate our energy better. Anything else that comes to mind? 
Yeah, you know, there's a few different things. I think, you know, springboarding off of those important pieces, I think being honest with ourselves and with others is really important. So first, I think we need to be honest with ourselves that something is not working for us, something is not serving us anymore, or that we are not showing up the way we want to show up. And so maybe we do need to make some changes. So honesty on all levels and honesty with others. I think we forget And I love the words of Brene Brown. She often says, clear is kind. We take for granted that sometimes these hard conversations around saying no or setting boundaries, while they set clear expectations for the other person about what we want or need, we feel that we're being somehow harsh or rude or unkind, but it's the opposite. You know, the clearer that we can be, the kinder it is for others because I think about me in the context of relationships. If I had a friend who was upset with me for something I had said or did, and they were sort of not telling me, they weren't being clear, but they just had this edge to them. Like I just knew that they weren't happy with me. That to me is not kind. If they were to just say to me, look, when you said that to me the other day, I really was upset by it. Sure, is that a tough conversation to have? Yes, but wow, what a great level of honesty to bring to our relationship and to make our relationship even stronger. So I look at clear as kind and as strengthening for our relationships and of course for preserving our energy. I mentioned saying no as well, which it kind of goes along with boundaries too. And a few other things, I think number one, really preserving a bit of separation between work and life is very important for that energy balance for most of us. Now, some people really thrive on just integrating work and life. Like they're happy to be at their child's hockey game and talking to a client on the phone or sitting on the couch at home and typing up medical records, really meshing or melding work and life. That is not true for most of us. For most of us, we feel really energy depleted when work is constantly creeping into our home life or our outside of work life. And I'm one of those people. And so, especially because I do a lot of work from home, I I have very strong routines around what it looks like to stop working at the end of the day. I might stop working at 4.30 when I go to pick up my daughter from daycare, or I might stop working at 8.30 after she goes to bed. But whenever I stop, I shut down the computer, I close the door, I turn off my notifications. I'm very intentional that, okay, now it's time for non-work related activities. And I'm very boundaried or separated when I am with my daughter, 100% with her. I want to be present for her. That's when I feel most energized. So I'm not taking work calls or scheduling work engagements within those hours. So that's a big thing. And I think the last tip that I would leave everyone with is really knowing that you deserve this, that there is no reason why you should not be taking these steps to preserve your energy. And I think sometimes we really feel like I don't deserve to have this uninterrupted time or I just need to be nice to everyone. Like I'm not going to ripple the waters or whatever it might be. We deserve this. It is worth it to take these steps, to preserve our energy, to carve out time for these situations and people that bring us joy and and are energizing. And I think just knowing how worth it it is and that we deserve it, I think that's really important. Mm, So 
taking ourselves as important enough to really deserve this, allowing ourselves to create the space to get our energies right. And that is, I think, a so important point, because at the end of the day, if we're not able to get that right around our energy level, we're not there to serve the pets, we're not there to serve the pet owners or our colleagues who rely on us as well. So it is really a win-win if we get it right for ourselves and there's no reason why we shouldn't really see ourselves as important. So if we get that right, then we can do the best that we want to do in the world. If we don't get it right, then really everybody loses out and we obviously feel that most and foremost. Mm. And then the other thing which stood out for me was around honesty. So being honest with yourself. So being able to look in the mirror and say, right, that is what it is. And this is how I may really work with my life in a better way and seeing the need. And then you were saying around the separation between work and your non-work time and that it is really a matter of individual style, perhaps, that some people genuinely don't mind to conflate it. And I do remember two or three people where they generally thrived on this. But as you mentioned, it's not the majority of us and I'm also not one of them. So just, again, being honest there. And you mentioned some really good tips, I think, for those of us who work from home or work a proportion from home, that you can do really simple habits like closing the door, shutting everything down and disenabling notifications so that then you can bring yourself 100% to your time off, which then is going to re-energise you, right? Well, that's right. And, you know, I think even for people who are working in practice or in an academic role or industry role, whatever it might be as a veterinary professional, we all benefit from routines at the end of our day that indicate we are stepping out of our work role. So when the time in your day comes to end your day that you say goodbye to people, that you tidy up your workspace, you make sure that the urgent tasks are done. If there's something that needs to be done, you write it down so that you're not taking it home with you and thinking about it nonstop. You do some sort of ritual of changing your clothes or taking off your name tag or shutting down your computer that really signifies to you that you're finishing. And then you say goodbye to your team and and away you go. But it's all very intentional. And I think about bedtime routines with children and hopefully with adults. It's the same thing. It's indicating to your body and mind that you're transitioning into a different part of your life. And that just really... It just puts you, I think, in a different energy space for one thing, but it just that separation. I don't know what it is psychologically. I know that there's a lot of psychology research around compartmentalization and so on, but we see this consistently in the research in human medicine, looking at self-care techniques for medical professionals. And they really indicate that this separation is really important, that we have to have time in our day or our days where we are having a break from work and we're not thinking about it. We're not feeling like we're going to be called into a work situation at any time. We need that in order to prevent things like compassion fatigue and burnout. So it's not just about the energy. There's definitely a lot of science and psychology behind it too. 
Yes. Yeah. And a lot around habit formation, which then enables you to have that really effective after work recovery. And you also mentioned the word intentionality or being intentional a few times. So really being clear about what is right for you or what you want and then acting on that. Absolutely. You know, intention for me, it's one of my core values. I try to carry it through everything I do because otherwise I think we just fly through the world by the seat of our pants and we're constantly doing things that don't resonate, don't bring us energy because someone has asked it of us and we're not thinking about that in the context of what is my intention in doing this and what is my intention for life for work for my family for myself and just really recognizing that everything we do in life is a choice every situation we find ourselves in is a choice if not the situation then how we respond to that situation so knowing that i just really try to live life with intention by recognizing that choice in all situations in terms of what I will bring to it or not. Mm, I love that. We've got some further episode planned around those themes, so we will come back to that at some point. But yes, very, very important. I completely agree. I was just wondering whether you've got any situations or any tips where perhaps there's common pitfalls, common difficulties, or where certain strategies are unhelpful? You know, it's a great question. And I don't know that there are any unhelpful strategies. I think everything we've talked about has its place in different situations and for different people. I will say that I think a common stopping point for most veterinary professionals is guilt we immediately feel guilty if we set a boundary with someone or something or we say no to something we inherently and i'm generalizing here i understand so this might not resonate with everyone but most of us are people pleasers or we have been people pleasers at some point in our lives and that tendency towards defaulting to other people's needs is not serving our energy balance. We are going to find ourselves in a state of what I referred to earlier, where we feel depleted, resentful, exhausted, frustrated. And I think people say to me all the time, well, how do I stop feeling guilty about saying no? And, you know, these are people in my coaching programs or my other programs. And I say, newsflash, you don't stop feeling guilty because the guilt is a normal human emotion. And you know what? That's a good thing. It means you care. I'm glad that you feel guilty. But then you need to take a step back and say, I see the guilt. I recognize it. That's normal. And I know that this is what I need to do in order to preserve my energy to take care of myself, to take care of my family, to show up at work the way I want to show up. You have to keep coming back to your intention for doing this, as we discussed. So that's a big thing. And another very, just a kind of a quick and easy thing, because I think so often there's certain things we have to do in our lives, but we find them draining of our energy. How many of us, well, I might put myself in this category, feel energized by cleaning the house. <laughs> I actually love cleaning the house. I love it when things are neat and tidy. But these are things we have to do. We have to get done in our day-to-day -day lives, or maybe it's at work, you know, we have to get our medical records finished or whatever. 
obviously if you have the opportunity to delegate these energy draining things, then wonderful, do so. If you can't delegate it, can you make it either more efficient or more fun? So maybe while you're cleaning the house, you listen to a fun podcast or an audiobook, or while you're doing your medical records, you go to a different room and you light a candle or turn on some music and away you go. There's different ways that we can change our energy in these situations to make them less depleting. And again, these are the situations where we really can't get out of it and we have to get it done. So that's one last hurdle, I guess I will give people a tip for. Yeah, lots of good tips. So the guilt, yes, that is a very, very common theme, isn't it? And in my experience, and I'm sure that will perhaps resonate with you as well, is that that is where mindfulness can be just so helpful as well, because you recognise that emotion of guilt is coming up. And at the end of the day, it is just an emotion. It doesn't have to stop us do what actually is aligned with our values what is our intention and our long-term goal in life and just taking that conscious step. And life is not always pleasant, really, is it? So those things are going to come up from time to time. And it is just really helpful to learn ways to actually accept that and allow room for the unpleasant there, but not let that stop us do what we really want to do. That's a great point. And then I love your tips around making things more fun, more efficient, or delegate. That's perfect. That would be my magic triad. Thank you. Is there anything else which might be helpful for listeners, which I failed to ask you? We've talked about so much and so many great tips and experiences we both shared. I would just leave people with the idea that this skill of energy management, this is a, it's a skill just like any other. It's going to need practice. You're going to hit bumps in the road. It's going to feel really hard at times, going to feel really easy other times. I would start small, start with small boundaries, small nose, things that don't feel too scary or overwhelming. And once you kind of build up the skill or the muscle, you build your confidence, you realize, oh, what? it's okay. I didn't lose any friends or ripple too many waves by setting these boundaries. And I'm going to keep going because my energy is better helped by this and so you know people can think of these as little experiments you know to just try it and maybe that takes a bit of the pressure off but this is something again that I've spent and I'm still spending years working on it's not something that we just clap our hands and we do overnight brilliant so like anything start small set your intentions start small and then build up that muscle absolutely Amazing. Before I let you go, I would just like to give you the opportunity to plug anything that you would like to plug. So let us know where the interested listener can find more of you if they want to follow up on anything that you've just said. Oh, thank you for that. I love connecting with veterinary audiences. I recently, as you said in the intro, I do have my own podcast. It's called Reviving Vet Med. So I would love for people to check out some episodes, subscribe, share it with others if they really like it. Otherwise, my website, mariehollowaychuck.com, is full of resources. I, my podcasts are on there. I have a blog I write every week. Uh, pardon me, it's once a month. 
So lots of different handouts and recordings and meditations and things for people to download there as well. And they'll find information about my online programs there too. So I offer three different online programs, each one related to something different. So there's one on burnout management, boundary setting, and toxic team environments and improving those. So lots of great resources there. And for people who just love to be on social media or who spend time on any of the typical channels, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, most of all. So people are welcome to follow me there. And on LinkedIn, I have a newsletter every month so people can subscribe to that as well. Lots of places to keep in touch. Amazing, so loads of material. And we'll put all that in the show notes as well. So we'll have links to that in the show notes. Right. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure, Marie. So thank you very much for coming. And I hope that if the podcast will run for any length of time, I hope that we'll get you back one day. It's been an absolute amazing conversation. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. I would love that. Thank you so much for having me. So this was today's episode with Marie Holowaychuk. I hope that you've enjoyed it and have picked up the odd tip or two that may be helpful in your life. Please don't forget to send us your feedback or suggestions for further topics and guests to vetmindworks at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening and we hope you will join us next month again when we will talk about the resource of time. Thank you for listening to the Vet Mind Works podcast. We hope that you enjoyed it and that you found the content helpful. If this is the case, please consider sharing and rating us, as well as providing us with feedback, including suggestions for future topics and guests. This podcast is independent and self-funded, as we see it as our way to give back to and support the profession. Our support extends to our colleagues from the Ukraine, who are finding themselves going through very difficult times. If you are in a financially secure position, please consider donating to a fundraising campaign in aid of providing professional mental health support for Ukrainian veterinary colleagues. Donations for this can be made on the Galaxy Vet Foundation website and you can find a link in the show notes. Thank you for listening and see you next time.